Some of you remember how the farmers came to the Chicago Exchange to request, to urge, to demand that they be heard. You also remember how they converged on Washington to tell of their plight. And you've seen demonstrated in these last days the influence of the farmers of our country. Those who have been so involved with the government. For the government has become their customer having amassed enough food in storage to fill a train stretching from Boston to Los Angeles and back again. A government that subsidizes their prices. And a government that tries to handle with them and for them their overproduction. The farms produce more than man can consume on a global basis today. And if anyone is starving, it isn't because we do not have the food, it's because we do not distribute it properly. The contrast was very clear to me when I preached in a little fishing town in southern in the southern island of the Philippines, called Mamburo. At that time, there was a rice shortage. It was probably the only time that I ever preached to a congregation where every single person had the same problem. And I addressed the subject of worry. And we talked about some of the things that Jesus talked about in Matthew 6 and 7. And then I couldn't help of how I ride down the outer drive of Chicago on what is literally a bed of garbage. For the waterfront of our great city is built upon the waste of this great metropolis. I wonder what those people of Mombiro would think if they stood in the foyer of the church this morning and heard us pray, give us this day our daily bread. Would they think it was sheer ritual? Would they think we're hypocrites? Or would they believe it's reality? We would like to convince them that we mean every word of it. Give us this day our daily bread. This is what Jesus taught us to pray, all of us, everywhere. This is a universal. This morning I would like to see in this petition some of the rich meaning that it has for everyone who prays it. First of all, let us remember 
the word source. For this is involved in praying this kind of prayer. God is our source. We've already prayed our Father who art in heaven. And now we pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's a long distance from the previous petition to this one, isn't it? That grand concept of the kingdom of God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. We expect God to be there. We talked about things like worship, the church, religion. We talked about his effect on education, on the political arena, on health care, and so on. These great ideas that guide mankind. God is involved. We understand that. He's a God of justice. He's a God of peace. He's a God of truth. He's a God of love. We relate all of these grand concepts to God. And then suddenly we come down to earth and pray, give us daily bread. And we have to remember the source of this prayer, Jesus who moves so easily from the kingdom of God to daily bread and then back again to forgiveness. He didn't live in a kind of tiered existence. For him, life was life in all of its dimensions. I read about the Scotswoman who closed her piano on Saturday night and opened her little pump organ. Sunday was the day for the organ. The weekday was all right for a piano. Some of us recall our ancestors who wouldn't speak English on Sunday. They would only speak the language of the old country. English was for the new world. That was a secular thing to do. Many of us have an idea of what is secular and what is sacred. Jesus didn't have any distinctions like that. Everything to him was sacred. There wasn't sacred and secular music. There was just good music. And he never drifted off into something that was godless. He only practiced the things that were godly. And so his prayer is the same way. From the kingdom to the bread, back again to forgiveness. From those great heights of spirituality to the depths of material things. It's all alike to Jesus. He says, remember this when you pray. If you're going to be a praying person, you must involve all of life in your prayer. Not just your Sunday need. So God the Father is behind everything. I've heard people say, I don't bother God about material things. As though it's more pious just to pray about spiritual things. Well, that isn't what Jesus did. When he created man, he put him in a garden. And he gave him a mandate and he expected man to work with him in that garden place. 
We learn in Scripture God is active in this world. We have a trust from Him. So we cooperate. We are yoked with Him in this grand enterprise of life. And it reaches down to the very simplest, most basic things. As God would that no man should perish spiritually, so He's concerned that no one perish physically. As he taught us to pray for our spiritual destiny, he teaches us to pray simply for bread each day. And he goes on in this same place to say to those who are listening, don't worry about eating, drinking, raiment. You're of much more value than the birds of the heavens. And look how he closed the flowers. God has an interest. None should perish. And he makes possible spiritual redemption and physical well-being. The one by his sacrifice, the other by his creative and his providential hand. And so we learn from Jesus to recognize that God is beneath and behind and undergirding all things. And we pray together, give us this day our daily bread. It's impossible to receive that bread and rule God out. The crowds tried it once, and Jesus reprimanded He said, you have taken from my hand the bread which satisfies your physical bodies, but you do not want the hand that gives it. And I tell you, you cannot separate the two and follow me. And the crowds left him. God the source second word I want to talk about for a moment is solidarity. Solidarity. The prayer is, give us this day, just as it, the prayer began, our Father. Jesus saw both the physical and the spiritual need of the human being. And when he sent us into all the world to preach the gospel, he also sent us into all the world to tell people to pray and to trust God for food and for drink and for clothing. He didn't tell us to go with part of a message. He told us to go with a whole message for body and for soul. And he teaches us that behind all that there is in this material world is a loving Father to whom we can turn and who hears and who will answer. When men are not fed today, We see pictures on our television screens of starving women and little babies. 
And our heart breaks because we would like to reach into the picture and feed these people. It isn't because God doesn't care. It's because too many people have either glibly prayed this prayer without understanding its meaning, or most people reject the idea of the solidarity of the family of God. If you will imagine just for a moment that you're looking down on the children of men and you see them sitting at a table and then you see yourself sitting there at that table and right next to you is another person, of course, waiting to be fed. And before long, the waiter comes. And before you, he puts down a large loaf of bread. But the person next to you gets nothing. And when everyone is served at this great table, you wait and Someone says, now you may say your prayer. So you bow your head and say, give us this day our daily bread. And so does the person next to you. And then you take your loaf and you break a piece off and you begin to eat. And some of the loaf breaks apart on the table, but most of it you cannot eat. It's too much. So you take the loaf and you swing around in your chair and turn your back on the person and walk away while he picks up the crumbs that you've left, feeds himself enough, just enough to keep body and soul together. You go off with most of your loaf and you trade it and you buy some nice things like a high back leather chair to sit at this table to eat and some silver utensils, and some linen napkins and a little linen place mat. And day after day this recurs, and after a while the person next to you is stumbling up barefoot with a tattered old shawl around his shoulders, and he sits and waits for those crumbs while you drive up in your modern automobile clothed in your silks and fine garments, and sit in your high chair to enjoy your food. And each day as you leave, he looks over his shoulder and sees you going to trade away that which he needs for his basic health. Now I'll let you extrapolate the picture because that's what's been happening in this world of ours. People everywhere needing the basic things. And we are taught by Jesus to pray, Our Father, give to all of us these basic things. If we continue to take the basic things to feed ourselves with the luxuries, 
you can be absolutely sure that the rest of the world eventually will not stand for this. Because human justice doesn't permit it, let alone divine justice. And we need to address the subject of human solidarity, particularly when there's enough for everyone. And I'm told on good authority that there is more than enough. If all have eaten, then I can enjoy my surplus. But until everyone has eaten that which they basically need, I cannot enjoy my surplus. Isn't that what John wrote in 1 John chapter 3? Look at that sometime, beginning at verse 14, when he said, don't say to other people, be filled, go away, rejoicing, and then turn your back on them and enjoy what you have. This prayer is a prayer of solidarity. Usually, we think of others, as so many do, who are not Christian. If we're the customer, the merchant is trying to exploit us. If we're the merchant, we've got to watch the customer. If we're the doctor, we have a problem making ends meet, great investments, all the problems of litigation and so on. If we're the patient, those doctors earn too much in too short a time. If we're the employer, the employee doesn't work hard enough. And if we're the employer, employee, the employer is taking advantage. We always think somebody else has got their hand in our pocket. And this kind of competitiveness becomes our enemy spiritually. Unless our system of supply and demand and competition is kept within the context of justice and love. That's the struggle we Christians have as we pray this prayer for solidarity. Give all of us this day our daily bread. God the source as we pray for all mankind, solidarity, and finally, security, security. This prayer has a great deal to say to us in regard to our security in life. Give us this day. We're taught to pray this. Jesus underscores it and said, if God so cares for the sparrows, the little birds, don't you think he'll take care of you? Why do you mistrust him so? Maybe some of us think that God is only a God of the great things of life. What if God said, don't bother me with the little details. I'm only interested in the sunsets and the the great thunderclaps and the smoking mountains and the earthquakes, the great things in life. 
not in these small little details. But his omnipotence is surpassed by his love. He goes beyond his power and he reaches down to us in his greatness. And he is concerned about our daily bread. That's the greatness of a king, isn't it? To identify with his subjects. To be willing to understand their needs and their heartaches. To make provision for them. To defend them when they are weak. That's justice. Defending the innocent and the helpless. That's our king. Whose kingdom we pray for. He says, don't worry. Don't worry about food and clothing and what you're going to drink. I care about the details, the small things. You know, when someone gets so great that they cannot talk to the common person, when someone has so much that they can't understand how anyone can have an ache or a pain or a need, then he loses track of his own humanity. Lee Iacocca has written an interesting book, and in it he said his first assignment at being a manager was mishandled because he withdrew from those whom he was leading and isolated himself. And any of you in management know that that is suicide in leadership. You have to know. You have to be a part of, of those who are looking to you. They have to know you understand. You've been there. You sympathize. And so God came to us as a babe in Bethlehem. Became a carpenter and handled wood and chisels and hammers and served the people of his town. He understood. He submitted to baptism by John the Baptist. He was hungry. He was rejected. He had the same temptations we do. Finally, he died, and before he was ready to be crucified, he said, Now the Father will be glorified in me. We can pray to God and know that he understands such a simple thing as the need for bread. Jesus said, are you a worrier? Why do you worry? Do you think tomorrow is more important than today? And if God cares for you today, do you think he'll abandon you tomorrow for some strange reason? No, we understand in this prayer of bread that we simply look for God to handle the daily things, the simple things. For God does care. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, let us not do so as a, as a ritual 
or some small inserted petition between those great ideals of the kingdom and forgiveness. But let us thank God that he's concerned and has made promises regarding the fulfillment of our basic human physical needs. Let us pray. Thank you, O oh God, for being the source of all that we need. You who are our Father, loving, just, and caring. Thank you for making us all one in Christ. And thank you for giving us the security of your promises. So we find strength, a challenge, and hope as we pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen.